everyone. Welcome to The Funnel, an e-commerce podcast. Each episode, we interview e-commerce experts to discuss the latest trends and topics that matter the most to brand and retail pros. Today, we have a guest co-host with us, Eric Chappelle. Hey, Eric. Hey, everybody. Welcome. And and um, today, as our speaker, we have with us Jan Zornson. He's the North American GM for Nasso. Hey, Jan. Yeah, hey, it's great to uh, great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. So uh, just maybe a quick uh, background on myself. So my name is Jan Zornson. I work for Nasso as an e-commerce uh, personalization solution. Um, work with uh, a bunch of our clients, mostly in the, the retail uh, sector and fashion and lifestyle. And I do spend quite a bit of time optimizing their websites as well. So love to obviously uh, speak about that a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah, thanks for joining. Today we'll be talking about how to apply AI to personalized e-commerce experience. Uh, Jan, one of the first things I want to ask you is what is the current state of AI in e-commerce? What are people using it for? Are people using it? What does it look like today? Yeah, so I can uh, speak speak to that. Um, when it comes to kind of the the applications of, of AI, I think most of the uh, merchants and retailers today are already using some form of machine learning at least, maybe not AI, but machine learning. So if I just speak to uh, some of the, the vendors that are out there, probably let's say even a review vendor like Yopo, they use uh, language analyses like sentiment analyses. So if someone leaves a critical review on a website, it will flag it, kind of saying it might be uh, negative uh, sentiment. Same goes for email. You're probably already using uh, some of those tools out there that do send time optimization. That's already some form of machine learning. So finding out when do people open their email uh, as, as an example. Um, same goes for if you're using just Facebook advertising. So Facebook will choose the right um, Facebook product, whether it's Facebook, Instagram or, or Messenger. So already there, there's also some form of machine learning that picks picks the right channel. Um, and the same with, with NOS as well. So um, we'll just pick, for example, the predictive CLV segment as well, a surface that. So it's, it's already kind of happening right now. And of course, the, the promise is still a little bit a little bit bigger than what we're doing today. But you said most of them are already doing something. Is there kind of a percentage of about 80 percent of the market or? If you're, if you're using kind of a modern technology stack, you're already using some form of machine learning uh, already. Then the question is, do you want to build your own in-house uh, AI machine learning team? That's maybe a, a different discussion altogether, which is obviously something that's probably more on the enterprise side of, of things. It's actually very hard to find proper talent that has uh, not only the, the skills, but then also the experience of, of um, doing machine learning within e-commerce, within that specific uh, discipline as, as well. So I think your best bet is still finding vendors, doing vendor selection. Uh, and if it's then a huge problem, then perhaps it's time to yeah uh, build your own team. So, um, do you find a lot of people are not necessarily confused, but do they mix up AI and machine learning a lot? If they're already using machine learning, do they say, oh yeah, I'm using AI or? For sure. So uh, I think nowadays it is used synonymously. So, uh, but obviously AI is something that's a little bit bigger in terms of its scopes so kind of general intelligence. Um, and it's supposed to do kind of learn and, and check the problem on its own without you telling what the, what the actual problem is. Whereas machine learning is, is kind of pattern recognition. You give it uh, some, some input and it gives you the, the output. So most of what you're seeing right now is kind of machine learning, which is still impressive in its own in its own right. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I think that the, the promise of, of AI obviously in e-commerce is, is huge. I think 
the state that we're in right now is that most of the transactional, uh, let's say transactional advertising is already taken care of by machine learning. So targeting the right customers with the right, on the right channel at the right time. So a lot of that transactional marketing is already uh, heavily influenced by machine learning. And then I think the next probably big thing, uh, at least in, in, in marketing tech, is, is then the more higher funnel advertising that you want to automate as well. So generating copy, uh, generating imagery on the fly based on personalized signals. So we have lots of clients who approach us as well, like you're building all these segments. Uh, what's the next step? Why are you not kind of building out the dynamic content on the fly as well and, and fill those segments with with the right marketing message? So we feel that's probably the next next frontier of, of uh, marketing automation and machine learning. So would you say machine learning is almost the first step to implementing an AI program or is that just a piece of it? It is definitely one, one piece of it. And, and again, AI is a bit of a bigger problem uh, altogether. So there's no real AI currently. Mm -hmm. But again, doesn't mean that the things that are currently being put to use are not very, very impressive uh, in its own right. And it seems AI is trying to be in just about every industry. So leading the way in, in, in a marketing industry you know, it just kind of fits in with where it's going with everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then obviously, if, if you look at specifically e-commerce, you have so much data, but you don't really know how to action it. Uh, so that's where machine learning comes in, like it's pattern recognition, uh, which then kind of helps you take action. And I think that's what you see quite often that nowadays the marketers are quite overwhelmed with all the, the data points that they have. So they're not lacking in data, they just want to kind of action it. Um, and we feel now it's, it's the time that those tools come in that then also take action on your behalf. Then the negative kind of flip side is that it becomes this black box, which is now almost just as problematic, like you have all these tools doing all these things for you, but you kind of want to see um, below the surface. And one of the trends I just spoke with our development developer team and the, the AI team as well is that there's a big strain in, in AI development is trying to make those decisions explicable. So as opposed to just having it take action, just kind of rationalize why it did so. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that's probably also something that's going to be consumer facing. If you get a product recommendation or you get some kind of ad, you kind of want to know why I'm being served this experience. Right. Um, Did you say... Would even like something? Would GD, does GDPR affect that at all? People are wanting to know why am I getting this? Why am I seeing this? Is that influenced because of GDPR? Absolutely. So there's already kind of a, a little bit of a backlash. So folks mm -hmm. want to know where did they get that data from, and you can already see like the likes of Spotify and and perhaps even YouTube. So you're already seeing some of the big players give some basic uh, explanation why you're getting to see this. You know. You've, listen to that uh, band if you watch this movie and this is just going to keep adding and adding making it a little bit more transparent and in the e-commerce context could be for example saying hey uh, we've chosen this product because it's available in your size we know you've bought these five items goes really well with it uh, we know that your budget is x so this fits your budget so kind of just showcasing why you're why you're serving this experience that probably makes consumers feel a lot more at ease knowing, oh, I was at this site or I engaged in this uh, survey or something like that. So it makes sense for you to target me with this, this, this product offering. Exactly. And then you get kind of the, the buy-in. So I think nowadays folks just 
they don't have anything against personalization. They do ex expect it. They just want to know what happens to their data and, and how it's being processed and who it's being shared with. It's quite interesting because it's one of the few times where the discussion actually started in Europe mm -hmm. and then came over right. to the U.S. It's oh, a little yeah. bit the other way around. Usually it's uh, you have the developments in the U.S. and then they kind of uh, come over to Europe. But that's the, mm -hmm. this time around, it's kind of Europe being uh, here a little bit ahead of the curve and folks are very conscious of, of how they use their data. One, one thing that I'd like to know is uh, how do you see uh, artificial intelligence improving product discovery? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, and there's almost this uh, theory that you can get to a conversion rate of one if you show the exact right product in the right context. So that's almost what, what Amazon is trying to do because they have such a vast selection of products. And the theory is if, if you just find the exact right product in the right context, then the customer doesn't have a choice but to press the, uh, the buy button, which for kind of products that are not aspirational about something that you might need, like uh, could be food or some replenishable item, you're already seeing that automatically happen. So there's already a conversion rate of one. Whereas then if, if it's a uh, fashion or lifestyle product, you don't necessarily need it per se, right? It's, you're not going to die w without it. Um, but there, again, to get to that conversion rate of one, you need to also have automation on top of the the products, right? You need to kind of make the feel or make the customer feel a certain way. Yeah, it's all about the experience. Exactly. And so, so that's why we feel that automation is also going to take hold a little bit more on the, the higher levels of marketing, the brand advertising, the copy and so on, to then have full funnel automation uh, happen at, at some point. And again, it's, it's early days for that <laughs> non-transactional non automation uh, piece. The future's bright. Yeah, I mean, at least the uh, ambitions are, are large, and then it's one, right. one step at a time. A business obviously has their own goals. They don't just want to always give the customer exactly what they want to see that doesn't necessarily align with what they're trying to achieve. So how does a business align their goals with product recommendations? Yeah, it's a great, great question. So I think most of the, the systems that are out there, they're uh, set up to actually reflect what the customer wants regardless of the business goals. So it's almost, uh, it can actually just also hurt the, the business. And one example is that some of the recommendation engines, they figured out to get like a, a good uh, CTR and get great conversion rates. They just need to surface products that are fairly cheap or a little bit cheaper than the average. Mm. So you can make you, your system look really, really good uh, by surfacing these products, you get a higher conversion rate, but you kind of almost damage the business um, so I think good systems will always kind of balance certain goals. They will know about the, the margins of a product. They will know, uh, obviously, on, on total margins as well, not just the percentage margin. They will know about inventory. So take those multiple competing goals and just make sure that they're balanced in, in a certain certain way. Uh, and if you've been in e-commerce, if you've merchandised a category page, then, then you know what that means. It's kind of trying to figure out which product should be on the first line of, of your category listing page. It's usually a lot of a lot of different inputs from all kinds of uh, business owners and right. in, the, in the entity. So and again, I think there's still still uh, ways to go also to improve that. Mm -hmm. So so something like Nasa. I mean, you would are your business goals something you would feed into the algorithm, and then it would automatically understand. Or right, this is the company's business goals, and then these are the recommendations we need to also serve. How do we align them? That's all automatic once you set that up. There's a certain level of automation. So I mean. 
maybe not to get too, too nerdy, but with, <laughs> with, with, uh, with Magento, Shopify and Demandware. So we'll always pull the, um, the margin if, if it's available. We'll look at inventory, so it's already kind of done automatically. Uh, and then you can still influence the okay. uh, results as cool. well uh, manually. But, yeah. Awesome. Can you give us a few, maybe one or two simple ways people are using AI and then maybe one or two more complex ways people are using it? Yes, I mean, if we kind of talk about the uh, Rex, which is kind of my uh, f favorite topic. So, for example, if we talk about personalization on a homepage, so we always like to do essentially three things on a homepage. So we want to have one piece that's about um, product inspiration. So these are products that the customer has never engaged with, but that kind of reflects broadly the inventory that the customer has. It could be simple bestseller uh, or most viewed uh, product recommendation. Then we want to have uh, product discovery. So these are items where I've already shown some kind of interest. You might also like, it's probably the, the most famous uh, title, but just pulling in products that will be relevant based on the previous signals. And then one big thing that I always like to harp on about is like a product reinforcement. So it's basically insights or on-site retargeting. So it can be done very cheaply with a browsing history or if you want to add a little bit more intelligence you can use those netflix type recommendations that uh, actually then sort based on how many times you've engaged with with a specific item so that's kind of uh, our standard go-to on, on a product detail page what i've been doing recently with some of our uh, customers is if they advertise on google shopping you come from a google shopping site uh, is to actually have the recommendations on top of the product page listing mm. because there's almost even less attention spans, like milliseconds at this point. If it's not the right product, it'll bounce immediately and go back to uh, Google Shopping. There's something that Amazon has started doing as well. You're starting to see the product recommendations appear on top of the, the listing. It's kind of a little bit weird, but um, so that's something I've started, started do, uh, doing with some of our, our clients. And then, I mean, again, f future considerations. So I think some of the uh, AI uh, vendors out there and, and certainly uh, the company that I work for as well, we're starting to look at longer time data series. So instead of just optimizing the session, you're looking at even things like if generation A grows up, what are they going to buy in like five years? Which brand? Which if you do customer acquisition, if you know in five years, this customer is going to be there's a high likelihood they're going to actually buy from us. Mm -hmm. That's a whole game changer for customer acquisition. So we're kind of moving away from pure session optimization to like longer term time series as well, just bigger trends. Mm -hmm. So again, super exciting to, to see this uh, also develop a little bit, a little bit yeah, more. Yeah, that's interesting. So essentially matching, mapping out who your customer will be in five years, not just in five days or five minutes or... Exactly. So wow. we're doing all this... The long term game. We're doing all this acquisition, retargeting, and most it's like very short term driven. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think now we're seeing these bigger trends and the machine has kind of started learning these longer term trends so you can deliver uh, on some of those experiences as well. If you know this kid is going to grow up and yeah. there's a good chance they're going to uh, buy our product, that's right. game changer for acquisition. You just gotta Or even tying it with like life events, you know, at 18, yeah. they're probably going to go to college, right. graduate from high school, whatever, yeah. but at you know, 30, they might be married or whatever, have a kid or something like that. Cool. Sorry. Yeah, being able to map all that out. It's good, uh, good stuff in the pipeline. But again, um, yes, yeah, some of it works in, in, in real life, if you will, and some mm -hmm. of it doesn't. So 
I think for e-commerce specifically, the, the experience has to be served in like less than five or 10 milliseconds. So some of the stuff that you hear about in academia, uh, it always takes a little bit of time before it just makes it way to like being an actual consumer product. And specifically for AI, again, big promise, um, but it has to be, has to be fast. Mm -hmm. Then what are some of the, you know, kind of, you know, bringing all that together, what are some of the uh, first few steps a brand or retailer needs to take to implement some sort of a program? Yeah, obviously, um, there's uh, platforms and SIs out there as well. It's obviously uh, the likes of, of Blue Acorn who've been doing this for a while, not just with us, but also competing, competing vendors. So I think um, agencies like that have built up an incredible uh, competence in, in that field. So uh, we always like to see Nostra being put into good hands. So it's obviously our own CSMs, but then also the CSMs of some of those agencies out there who, who have the experience. Then I would say, I mean, it's almost, uh, everyone says this, but yeah, it's kind of maturity model where you start with a few initiatives, like the low hanging fruit, could be product racks, start with a few segments, and then later on you do the more advanced stuff. So the personalizing your in-store experience or doing uh, progressive web apps. So definitely there's a lot of low hanging fruit and then continue with the more advanced stuff later on. But we still see it oftentimes the other way around they just want that specific little right are there any downfalls or maybe I should say more common challenges people face with when they're starting their ai program yeah i think letting go of control is definitely one of them so mm -hmm. we talk with the merchandising team who's been doing it for like 10 years and they're obviously very protective which is a great thing their their brand and, and the uh, brand experience but uh, perhaps learning to, to let go a little bit as well and then focus mm -hmm. your attention on other, other things. Um, and again, I think just to, to get back to what I mentioned earlier, like the good uh, shops and, and their e-commerce teams, some of them, they don't do any development in-house anymore. They either go through SIs or they're almost building a competency in choosing vendors. Mm -hmm. Because you're not going to be building it yourself. There's usually a vendor somewhere, some app or a bigger platform. So I just spoke with one of our most successful clients doing over two, three hundred million in annual revenue. They do, they let themselves be pitched six times a week by six different vendors every week. They come in and let themselves be pitched. So kind of a core competency in, in choosing uh, vendors and then obviously also uh, system integrators. So do your diligence, right? <laughs> Exactly. Um, so yeah, that, that would be my uh, my recommendations. Is there anything you'd like to mention before we wrap up? Feel free to plug Nasto here if you want to. Yeah, the, the story behind yeah the story behind Nasto, the name, the branding. Is there any significance there? Yes, it's actually a Finnish founded company, which means to uh, uplift or lift up. Okay. So uh, we've kind of kept that name around. Yeah. Um, so we're obviously proud of the, the Finnish heritage, but at this point, it's kind of a global global entity. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, we, we still like to kind of go back to the founding story. So it was actually a, a, a Finnish founder who had a physical snowboard store as well and uh, had an online site, couldn't personalize it, um, didn't find the right tools. So he founded uh, Nostra together with our CTO. And so they actually uh, have the retail experience and that's, that's what, we, what we're all about. So everyone who joins Nostra, they're either an e-commerce experience or they work for a vendor in the space so mm -hmm. there's nothing other than just pure 
e-commerce and retail. Mm-hmm. Committed that's, to the industry. That's that's what yeah. we love, um, and it's it's an amazing industry as well. Like it's fast moving, and so yeah, love love working in the industry as well. So awesome. Well, thanks, Jan, for joining us. This is great, and thanks, Eric, for joining us, our co-hosts. Is there a website you want me to point people? Yeah, just uh, nasa.com or just send uh, an email to Jan or Jan at nasa, <laughs> Jan at nasa.com. I'd awesome. uh, love to hear from you. Great. Anyone listening, you can find the Funnel Podcast episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. So Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, anything like that. And feel free to visit blueacornici.com for more information as well. Until next time. Bye.